and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week two in the Sun Belt has arrived. Week one was a huge week for the league, a week in which they went 10 and four. Those two of those four losses came to raked opponents. Kane and I are excited to get back to talking some more football. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. It was the first in our Sunbelt student-athlete interview series. It featured an under-the-helmet look at Georgia Southern wide receiver Caleb Hood. If you missed it, we're recommending giving it a listen before Saturday rolls around. Today, on episode 113 of the show, we're excited to preview our game of the week between James Madison and Virginia, along with Texas State's trip to UTSA. App State's rematch with number 17, North Carolina, Georgia Southern showdown with Trent Dilfer's UAB Blazers, and the first SBC game of the year between Old Dominion and Louisiana. Plus, we'll also make our picks for all the remaining matchups against FBS opponents. Caden, it's another big weekend. Last week brought plenty of excitement on opening weekend. What has you most excited about week two? Man, no, I'm most excited just to watch these teams play against some better competition. Obviously, week one, there's those cupcake games. You see some FCS and lesser opponents. But this week, mostly everybody's playing a big dog. The point spreads are a little bit closer. Some teams have to travel and play some power five squads. And of course, we have the first conference game of the year. So I think the stakes of the conference actually go up dramatically from week one to week two. And I'm just excited to see some better and more good on good between some of the conference's best teams. Definitely expecting some great matchups this weekend. Well, as promised, we'll be previewing the top matchups for the upcoming weekend in the Sun Belt. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's show. All right, everyone, as promised, we're previewing the top matchups in the Sun Belt for week two. Here's a couple of quick notes about this weekend's slate. Saturday's slate features just two FCS matchups, South Alabama and ULM. It also features three ranked matchups. Sunbelt teams will face number four, FSU, number 15, Kansas State, number 17, North Carolina. Two of the three played in their conference title game a season ago. Kane, this is also, if you remember back, the one-year anniversary of that huge week two last year where Georgia Southern took down Nebraska, App took down number six, A&M, and Marshall took down number eight, Notre Dame. Do you think they can do it again, Caden? I think the Sunbelt is capable of anything. You look at the Sunbelt records against non-conference teams, Power 5 teams, they can stick up there with just about anyone. I don't know if my picks are going to necessarily reflect that, but I think every team in the nation, whether big or small, is not looking forward to seeing any Sunbelt team on their schedule, that's for sure. Well, Caden, let's jump right into our game of the week this week, and it's a matchup that has been 40 years in the making. James Madison traveling to Virginia to take on the Cavaliers. This game's going to be at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on ESPNU on Saturday. Caden, this will be the 500th game played at Scott Stadium, the home of uh, Virginia. This game, as I mentioned, over 40 years in the making. The last meeting between these two programs was in 1983. Before we jump into this matchup, though, UVA is going to honor the lives of Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry, who were shot and killed by a former teammate. Uh, last season, that will be an it will certainly be an emotional game here. They're expecting over fifty thousand uh, in attendance. Caden, some classy comments from Jeff Bourne. He encouraged this JMU nation that is expected to show up in droves to be UVA strong here and support this Virginia team in what will be an emotional day. Caden, 
It was also interesting to hear in an interview that Jeff Bourne made sure he made some interesting comments about wanting to see this game played more often. He suggested maybe a future two for one, two games at Virginia, one at James Madison in future years. Are you for more of these types of games, Caden? Oh, most definitely. I think some of my best memories from my own playing days were some of those in-state matchups that we had. We hosted Wake Forest one time. We got to play at North Carolina. And from everything we heard from anyone who was at the App State North Carolina game last year, it was absolutely electric. And I think, especially when you look at the landscape of college football and some of the changes we have coming on, getting away from some of the regionality of the game and some of the regionality of the conferences, I think it'd be better. And I think it should be more encouraged for maybe if you're not going to have all these conference games now that are going to be local, maybe lean into some of the local rivalries that are non-conference and play some more games in your state so your fans can come out and see your team play more often versus now we're going to have teams like Oregon having to play in the Big Ten and all. You can draw a entire map of all different games and matchups we're going to have in the future. So I think the more that these games can happen more locally, the better college football will be for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think these are the types of matchups that fans love to see. Caden, on Monday's episode, you called your shot about who would be the starting quarterback for James Madison. You were thinking that it would be Jordan McLeod, and Kurt Signetti was obviously thinking the same way that you were. He was announced as the starting quarterback for this team. Interesting stat here from uh, Noah Fleischman, who's a must-follow on Twitter. He covers JMU. It's been over 700 days since Jordan McLeod made his last career start. He entered in that second half last weekend after Alonzo Barnett kind of had an up and down first half, threw for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Caden, how can McLeod replicate that second half performance this week against UVA? Just needs to stay efficient and play mistake-free football. I think he's he's getting thrown into this role because of his experience. In his career, he's faced Oregon. He's faced UCLA, Houston, UCF. He's a seasoned veteran, and he just needs to look like one and act like one in this game. He had no turnovers last week, which is huge. And I think we can expect, like we'll talk about more here coming up, some help from his run game and some help from his defense. I think the key is going to be mistake-free football. This Virginia team in the, is in the ACC. They have that name recognition, but they were towards the bottom of it. I think he doesn't have to be some world beater and make some amazing plays in this game. Old Dominion last year went down to the wire with this team with Hayden Wolf at quarterback. So he doesn't need to be some superhero for this team. He doesn't need to be Todd Santeo. I think if he just plays with himself in this game, and I think if he's able to get help from some of that supporting cast, he'll be just fine in this one. Yeah, I think JMU fans would love to see a big performance from McLeod and perhaps leading them to a victory in Charlottesville. Caden, uh, this JMU rushing attack, uh, Kalon Black led the way last weekend rushing for 126 yards. That was over 10 yards per carry. Uh, Lawton, Palmer, and Barnett all added rushing touchdowns. This team ran for 271 yards on the ground. It was their most since their FBS debut against MTSU back in week one last year. Caden, on the flip side, UVA's defense gave up 287 yards on the ground to Tennessee last weekend. Are you expecting to really see JMU lean into this rushing attack this week? I am. When we talk about the style of play and ways of winning, and I think their formula last year, as they try to figure out what they have at the quarterback position for now, is going to be leaning into that run game and leaning into their defense. The question, I think, is the biggest one of this game is how much help is McLeod going to get from his weapons? Granted, this team was playing a Tennessee team last week, but it was a rare occasion where the volunteers actually rushed for more yards than they threw in. So I think there's going to be some vulnerabilities on that defensive line in that front seven. And I think from what we saw last week from James Madison, we can imagine they'll lean into that and try to exploit that. They were very explosive on the ground last week. They had numerous big plays. They were very effective at punching the ball in the red zone. Very curious to see if Kalon Black can replicate that impressive performance. We saw Latrell Palmer get involved in well. Maybe we'll even see Alonzo Barnett get involved in the red zone. We didn't see him do 
too much great in the first game, but he was a great weapon with his legs around the red zone, getting into the end zone. And I think another thing that's just playing into JMU's favor as an entire offense in this game, I'm not saying they're going to run some up-tempo aerial attack, but especially early in the season, you can definitely take a few pages out of Tennessee's playbook and see what worked for them. They had a lot that worked for them against Virginia last week, and I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe used some of those concepts and used some of those run game schemes that were able to gash them last week, this week, from James Madison playing this Cavaliers defense. I think to that point, Caden, though, it's always a fine line, you know, early on in the season of how far do you stray from the type of football team that you want to be in terms of the game plan. So I think that will be fascinating to watch. Defensive side of the football, Caden, heading into last weekend, we were curious to see what this JMU defense would look like without guys like Jamari Edwards and Isaac Ukwu. This defense answered those questions, though. They allowed just four yards in that second half. They finished with three sacks. They had nine TFLs. Meanwhile, this UVA team against Tennessee, they give up 11 TFLs, four sacks last week. Caden, is it safe to say and maybe assume that JMU's defense is in for another big performance in Charlottesville this weekend? Yeah, we have high expectations for this defense, and I think if they are the defense that we think they are, they will have the ability to dominate in this game. Maybe not to the level we saw last week with Bucknell, but at a very similar level of dominance. This Virginia team was the ACC's worst scoring offense last season, and they weren't particularly great at running the ball, which really feeds into JMU's strength in that front seven and that box and their run-stopping abilities. They're facing a quarterback and Tony Musket, who's a Monmouth transfer, who was very successful at the FCS mo- level, but he had his welcome to big boy football moment last week against Tennessee for sure. So I anticipate the game slowing down from a little bit, but just given the side speed, athleticism, and the success, the most important thing is the success of this defense. I just imagine them continuing to do well and doing very well in this game and having a big role and maybe keeping the score down and making it easier for their offense. Well, certainly all signs pointing towards potentially a victory for JMU in Charlottesville on paper. Kane, the current line in this game, Vegas has JMU as a six-point favorite over under a bit low for this game. I think it's at, it's only at 41. Caden, I'm going to go ahead and let you make a prediction here on who you think is coming away victorious. Yeah, I'm taking James Madison in this one. I think they win and they cover. I think they're favored for a reason despite being not the power five team in this matchup. I legitimately think as well on the defensive side of the ball, they have better personnel. And I think McLeod has enough experience to get it done. This defense, like we mentioned last week, kept Bout Bucknell from crossing the 50 yard line all but two times. Not saying they're going to do that in this one, but they are a dominant group. I think they take this, keep the score down on this one as well. So I'm going to take the under on the points. Caden, uh, similarly to you, you know, when you look at this UVA team, they score 17 points per game last year, just 13 in week one. JMU averaged 38 points per game in their last 12 games. Um, I've got JMU winning this game as well, Caden, and I think uh, we can officially call them the Kings of Virginia after this. Let's continue to add titles uh, to this JMU side. I am going to take the over in this game. I think JMU is going to put up some points, and I think UVA puts up just enough uh, to go over that 41 in this game. So give me JMU to win and taking the over in this game. Well, Caden, we're both in agreement. On those picks, let's move on to a game where I'm not sure we're going to be in agreement on picks uh, as we get to that in a few moments. But we're going to talk Texas State UTSA here. This game will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. This Texas State program entering this game coming off their first Power 5 win in program history. This is going to be the first meeting between these two programs since 2020. Uh, Kane, they're going to actually play the next nine seasons in a row. Texas State, much like Baylor last weekend, has never beaten UTSA. They're 0-4. 
And Kane, another interesting storyline here. G.J. Kinney actually played for Jeff Trailer at Gilmer High School in 2006. They went 10-0 and that year before losing in the first round of the Texas State playoffs. So perhaps a little bit of a, a homecoming uh, for these two head coaches. Caden, staying on that theme, it was a huge week for the Bobcats this past week. I saw lots of national recognition. For crying out loud, I saw Kirk Herbstreet tweeting about Texas State. We saw them get a helmet sticker by ESPN. They also received top 25 votes for just the second time in program history. Caden, for a fan base that's had just 16 wins in the last five years, this past week had to have been exciting. Yeah, we came into this season worried about the start of this team's schedule. I know personally I was worried about them being able to kind of get into their full form, just having to play a Baylor team and having to play a UTSA team with so much pedigree. But we probably thought maybe coming into the season, we won't be able to see this offense and defense truly unlocked until week three against Jackson State. But boy, they put it all on display last week. They got the national recognition they deserved. I would say they're kind of the Colorado of this conference now with a bunch of transfer portal additions playing well right out the gates. They obviously don't have that Deion Sanders swag, but their defense was playing on fire and their offense was looking electric. I think there's a ton to be excited about with this program. And now given that UTSA just lost a close game against Houston last week, I think it just adds some more juice to this in-state matchup. That's going to be one of my favorite to watch this weekend. Okay, they might not have Deion Sanders swag, but if you remember back to media days, G.J. Kinney and company, they walked into Lil Baby. So I, I think that this is a Texas State program that does have a little bit of swag. Caden, none of that swag was more evident than on their offense last week. It was led by T.J. Finley, who came up huge for them. They score 42 points. Finley accounts for four touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. This team had nearly 500 yards of total offense. Kane, they're playing a UTSA defense that held Houston to just 17 points last week in a loss. But much like last weekend, Kane, an early score or two, it feels like would go a long way for the confidence of this Texas State offense. Yeah, UTSA kept Houston out of the end zone pretty well, but I think Houston, from watching the game, had their fair share of explosive plays in the past game. And last weekend, we saw that Texas State was also able to do the same thing, except for they were able to make touchdowns instead of field goals. I think that's going to be the key for this one. I think TJ Finley, without a doubt, has proven he can step up in the pocket, work outside of the pocket, find all of his different receiver targets, and he doesn't discriminate it. He was throwing it to everybody, dishing it to everybody, and getting a ton of people involved. The run game was re reliable for them as well. I think it's all going to come down to the red zone. You mentioned touchdowns versus field goals and their ability to keep the score down. I think if Texas State is able to get in the end zone and not kick field goals like they were last week, it's going to apply some pressure to their offense. They looked great in the red zone. I think just being able to score, it's not like high football IQ stuff here, but being able to score as many points as you can early in this one, I think is going to help them out and put them in the driver's seat. Because when they were in that driver's seat against Baylor last week, a lot of teams might have crumbled and given up that lead, but they stay consistent. They kept their foot on the gas. I think it's TJ Finley at the helm doing it for them. I think either he's going to be a really good quarterback matchup in this one, but I just would love to see their offense do what they did last week. And this one, I think there's a lot of capability for them to do it against this UTSA defense. Well, Kane, they might have to because, you know, for the win last week and all the excitement, the defense, you know, wasn't great. I mean, they played hard in that game. You still give up north of 500 yards, although a lot of that did come late in that game. Kane, I'm a little bit nervous about this matchup defensively for Texas State. UTSA is bringing back eight starters on offense, none more important than Frank Harris. You remember him from that bowl game last year against Troy. He accounts for 41 touchdowns last year, over 4,600 yards of total offense. Kane, this is a UTSA team that averaged nearly 37 points per game last year. 
Harris, though, is coming off of a three-interception game against Houston. He had nine all of last season. Caden, what's the key for this Texas State defense against the Roadrunners? I think it's going to come down to Frank Harris and the running back Kivarion Barnes for UTSA. You talked about it. Frank Harris had a very uncharacteristic day for him last week throwing three interceptions. So I imagine he'll be coming for blood like in this one and just trying to build on that and improve on that. He did not come back for his 10th year of college to have a game like that in week one. So I expect him to play better in this one. And I think when they did have some struggles with the offense last week and Frank Harris wasn't delivering, their running back looked super explosive in Barnes. He rushed for 100 yards. I have him circled on the scouting report from Texas State because he was their guy that was almost their spark plug when things got dull. But what we saw from Troy's defense last year in the bowl game, I'm not saying Texas State's going to be able to play at that caliber or replicate that, but with that Troy level of defensive effort they played with last year, flying to the football and playing within the defensive scheme, I think they can be effective yet again against this offense. You got to get off the field in third downs, which they did a lovely job of last weekend. You'll gladly trade those touchdowns in for field goals in your own territory like they did early in the game last week, especially when your offense is scoring a ton of points. It's obviously going to be about balance this year for Texas State. If they can score a lot, it'll be less defensive responsibility. But just given the energy and effort we saw from this unit and the lack of mental mistakes, I think they have a chance to stand toe-to-toe with this offense and be really effective, especially given the confidence they could possibly have of their offense also lighting up the scoreboard. Okay, and I think another interesting aspect to that, too, you think back to that game that Troy played against UTSA, they were able to force a couple of turnovers, and we saw Texas State do that against Baylor. If they could do that and maybe force a couple of turnovers in this game, whether it's a fumble or an interception, I think that goes a long way to giving them some confidence in this football game. Well, Caden, UTSA comes in a 12.5-point favorite, the over-under appropriately high at 65.5 for this game. Caden, I'm going to go ahead and go first here, and I am doubling down on my Texas State love. I said that Texas State was going to cover last weekend against Baylor. I did not have them winning, but I thought that they would play a good game. Um, I am not making that same mistake again. This time, I've got Texas State covering the 12.5. I've got them winning this game. Uh, I'm expecting a high-scoring affair between these two teams. Maybe defense will be optional, so go ahead and give me the over as well in this contest. Yeah, I picked Texas State to cover last week, and I didn't pick them to win, and I might be making the same mistake here again, but I just am worried about Texas State being able to match their intensity from last week. I think they left it all out there against a Power 5 opponent. I'm curious to see if that that same premium level of gas that they had in the take. So I'm going to tank. So I'm going to take them to cover in this one, but I'm not going to take them to win. I'm going with the pedigree of a championship team who's probably going to look to respond very strongly after a week one rock loss but I have them covering and I am taking the over and praying that the over gets on the points because if it does we might have a good old-fashioned Texan shootout yeah we would love uh to see that game Kane let's move on to a game where we did see quite the shootout uh a season ago and in this matchup we've got App State traveling to number 17 North Carolina this game will be at 5 15 p.m eastern 4 15 p.m central on the ACC network on Saturday Kane, this is going to be the final version, at least for now, of this App State-North Carolina trilogy. App State won back in 2019 when you were on the team, Caden. They lost 63-61 to last year in that epic Week 1 game. It's going to be a sold-out game in Chapel Hill. Both teams coming in 1-0. And you can't forget about App State's Week 2 upset over Texas A&M a season ago. Caden, let's start, though, with talking about the defensive side of the football in this one. App State gives up 24 points last week to Gardner-Webb. You were less than complimentary of that performance. Last year in this game, we saw 124 points in this game. 
you're facing, if you're App State, you're facing arguably the best quarterback in college football, maybe outside of Caleb Williams of USC. Uh, Drake May is a possible Heisman Trophy finalist this year. What's the key for this App State defense against the Tar Heels? There's a lot of keys here, but it all starts with Drake May. He's the center of tension in this one, and rightfully so. I'm a big fan of his game. You mentioned he's projected to probably be the number one two pick in the draft for a reason. And I think App's defense, when you're facing an NFL quarterback and when you're facing a caliber player at that position specifically, the key is to beat him both schematically and on the field. Any upset one I've been a part of, especially when we beat North Carolina a couple years back, we always had a solid game plan that made all of the players on defense feel confident, feel bulletproof. And I'm very curious to see if Scott Sloan can answer the bell on that regard, because last week his defense did get exposed, like we mentioned schematically in the quick passing game, where some of his players at the outside linebacker spot and their defensive backs struggle to make some tackles. This defense is going to have to get pressure on Drake May as well. In last week's game versus South Carolina, his two interceptions he threw both came from pressure. And last weekend, we saw App State play and get their interceptions. Those also came from applying pressure. If you let this kid sit back there and take his time in the pocket, he's going to dice this team up just like he did last season. And you could argue that in his first game, he looked even better than he did last season. I think he lost his two wideouts that were now guys that are in the NFL last year, but it looks like he has even more dialed in with those wide receivers. He's just throwing it right on the money to all these guys. It looks like they've been throwing for years. So I expect those corners like EJ Johnson, Tyreek Funderburg, they're going to have to play their best game as well as those safeties. These transfer guys and these young guys from UNC are very hungry. They put that on display last week and they just play through Drake so well. So they're going to have to make Drake uncomfortable. I think it starts with the coaching staff and then it comes down to the execution as well playing in this one. Hey, certainly a huge test for this App State defense. Still yet to know, though, if they're going to have to face Tez Walker. He's the star wide receiver. Could be a top, you know, a first-round pick uh, for the Tar Heels. He missed week one due to an NCAA eligibility issue. There was a hearing uh, as of today when we're recording this episode. We have yet to hear uh, if he will play in this game. Caden, on the flip side for offense, this feels like a huge opportunity for Joey Aguilar. It's going to be his first FBS start. He threw four touchdowns in his debut last week. He's the guy for the foreseeable future for this team with Berger out for three to four weeks with that broken finger. It's the biggest game of his career. What are you expecting from him? And do you have any concerns about this offensive unit heading into this big matchup? First of all, like just huge isn't the word for how big of a game this is for Joey Aguilar. Noah, could you imagine going from playing junior college football in North Carolina, in, in California, sorry, then playing, making your first FBS appearance in a sold out Kid Brewer Stadium with that crowd being electric. And now you're playing in North Carolina's home opener where the hype is more high than it's been there in a while. I mean, this is a huge stage for Joey Aguilar. He answered the call last week. He had an efficient four touchdown performance coming off of the bench. But this week, I think those windows and that coverage that will be tighter. I think his poise in the pocket and his accuracy was great last week, but it's going to be tested more in this matchup. The secondary from UNC, as we saw last week and last year, rather, in the game against App State and even in that championship game against Clemson, had some deficiencies, but they really re-upped in the transfer portal. You got to think of a guy like Antavius Lane, who's at Georgia State, who's now at UNC. I think he'd rarely even touch the field. So this unit's a little bit more loaded, but I think when it comes down to where this game is going to be won on offense, I think it's going to get into those trenches. North Carolina absolutely destroyed South Carolina's offense last weekend in the trenches. They had nine sacks on Spencer Rattler. So my biggest concern in this one is up front there. We talked about how App State has some newer players at those offensive tackle spots. They're going to have to really bring their lunch pail if they want to protect Joey Aguilar better than Spencer Rattler was protected by an SEC line last week. So I think that's going to be a huge factor in this one. 
And another thing I'm just worried about offensively is the size and the depth of this running back room, more so the size. I think it stands out that you have those injuries to Amani Marshall right now and Anderson Castle for this team, who are your biggest running backs or those third down backs who can fall forward. Marshall was huge against Texas A&M last year because of his size, and Cam Peoples isn't walking through that door anytime soon. Nate Well was also effective against this defense last year, but this is just a different defensive front, and I am worried about possibly having a lack of explosive plays. I know Haywood got a lot of action last week too, but he's not a bigger body, so very curious to see if they can run the ball and have their way against the UNC defensive line that's a lot more bolstered and a lot more tougher up front. Well, Caden, UNC, they open uh, this game as an 18-point favorite. Over-under sits at 58. You're the App State grad, so you get to make your first pick here. Now, before I make this pick, I just want to let the people at App State know that when when we when we show up, when we when we show up for these away games against Power Five competition, I know we're gonna have that black helmet on, that white jersey, and those black pants. It just gives you a different feeling and excitement because you always feel like, as a Giant Slayer, historically how we've been, that we can get it done. And it just—I'm so juiced for this game. I have goosebumps talking about it right now. So with all that said, I am apologizing in advance, and I pray that this pick does not make the graphic, but I do have North Carolina winning this game and covering. I just can't use my heart in this one. This is a podcast about the brain. I gave my heart. I poured my heart out there, but I have to use my brain in this one. I'll be rooting heavy for App State, but I just have too many concerns in this this UNC defense specifically last week, and Drake May specifically just looked too good against an SEC opponent compared to how App State looked last week against a lesser opponent. They're going to have to have a huge turnaround if they want to be competitive in this one. But I just do not like the, the blood in the water I'm smelling in this one. So I'm taking State to lose in this one and not to cover, but I am going to take the under on the points as well because I do think UNC is going to hold up their bargain. But UNC up front is is something dangerous. Well, Caden, for me, the, the line is lightning isn't striking twice. We started this matchup talking about App State winning week two last year against Texas A&M. I do not think that they can do it here. In week two, this UNC team is better than last year's AM squad. I've got UNC winning this game, but I do have App State covering in this game. Um, last year, though, taught us anything. It was that this was a high-scoring affair, so I am going to take the over in this game. So give me App State to cover and taking the over. So this one might have to make it on the graphic. You'll be picking UNC. I'll be picking <laughs> App State. We know who's going to get the love uh, in that one. Okay, let's move on to the fourth matchup we're going to take a look at, and this is Georgia Southern versus UAB. This game is at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on ESPN Plus on Saturday. You think back to last year, UAB handed Georgia Southern a 35-21 loss in Birmingham last year. It was the first ever meeting between the programs, or it will be rather, the first ever meeting between the programs in Statesboro. Okay, an interesting note here out of the game notes from Georgia Southern the Eagles have won 31 of 32 non-conference home games dating back to 2006. I'll let you chew on that. Another interesting storyline, this is actually the program uh, in UAB that Brian Ellis got his coaching start at. He was a GA there for two years. He was also a standout quarterback for the Blazers, so an interesting storyline. Caden, talking about this game, we started with that App State preview talking defense. Let's do it again here. Uh, Georgia Southern... The struggles last year, well documented. At some point, we're going to stop talking about that. But they bring in Brandon Bailey in the offseason. He pitches a shutout last week against, a, you know, a, not a great Citadel team. Uh, but, Kane, this is going to be the first real test for this defense. It's an interesting matchup because UAB runs a similar style of offense. How do you expect Georgia Southern to fare in this game? 
First of all, I'm just excited for this one because both of these teams love to throw the ball. They had around 40 pass attempts each last week and over around 30 or 300 yards in the air. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. But you're right. This is the first true test for this defense. They obviously look great against the Citadel. That's a lesser opponent. But now they face the UAB team that has a great offensive mind in Trent Dilfer at the helm and quarterback Jacob Zeno, who's a power five talent. He spent some time at Baylor and he looked amazing last week. Also against a bad defense, granted, completing 38 of his 41 pass attempts for 291 and three touchdown so they have a dude over there that can throw the ball just like they have davis brin on their side i think this wide receiver room is really deep at uab side but the good news is that this georgia southern defense plays against a deep wide receiver room in this scheme every single week i'll I definitely i would not even argue but i think this derwin burgess caleb hood those guys that they face week in and week out at practice can't compare to these uab guys i think their scheme is a little bit more polished down at georgia southern so i think this team maybe is more ready than you'd think I'm not as worried about the ground game because I don't think that's UAB's bread and butter, but just an element to keep them honest as far as what they use it in their offense. But this team struggled and was the worst team in the conference at running, stopping the run last season. I would love to see them improve upon that as this unit. But Caleb Hood told us he thinks Brandon Bailey is the truth. This is going to be his first true test, and we're going to find out here for sure on Saturday. Okay, and it's a similar story on offense for both of these teams facing better defenses. Davis Brin completes 75% of his passes last week. Throws for 244 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Caden, Jalen White had a huge game. The offensive line gave up two sacks against the Citadel. How confident are you in this plug-and-play offense heading into what is a pretty big early season test against UAB? I'm confident in them. Obviously, just like the other side of the ball, it's the first true test for Davis Brin in this offense of the season. I mean, North Carolina A&T, who faced UAB last week, only threw the ball eight times and completed them twice for 16 yards. So they're about to see a whole different animal as far as this Georgia Southern offense with Davis Brin under second under center. This secondary at UAB lost some starters and some experience last year. And I think Georgia Southern's receiving core in this game has to expose that. You have to see Caleb Hood, Derwin Burgess, all those guys get involved and take advantage of that matchup because I think it's a bad matchup for anyone playing this receiving core personally. But when you Alex obviously have some losses and some of those guys in the secondary maybe didn't even get to see many looks last week in their game against some top level receivers getting some routes. I think that's where the advantage stands in Georgia Southern side, but I am very, very curious. I think the biggest X factor who I have my eye on in this one is Jalen White. It was against the Citadel last week, but he looked amazing and maybe even better than he did last year. Curious to see if he can keep that up because if he improves, I think this offense could be unlocked in a way that would make up for maybe some of the defensive shortcomings we saw last year. If they can really run the ball effectively, get him in space along with this wide receiver attack, I think he can get really nasty in Statesboro if Jalen White takes another level up and another step up. So he's who I have my eye on in this one as far as offense goes. Hey, Jalen White would have easily been a thousand yard rusher a year ago if he hadn't missed those last couple of games. So certainly he's looking good early on in the season. Georgia Southern opens as a seven and a half point favorite at home over under at 60. Okay, now I'm going first here. I've got Georgia Southern winning this football game. I do think this defense will make a couple of big plays late in this game, which will ultimately turn the tide. Both teams can score the rock, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over in this contest. Yeah, I think Georgia Southern wins and covers as well. You mentioned their non-conference record at home. That's a tough place to play, trust me, even as a conference opponent. So I'm going to take them to win and cover in this one. This offense, I think, is just a year ahead of UAB as far as being able to operate on a high level in that passing attack. And like I mentioned before, watch out for Jalen White to have a huge game. I think there's still a ton of questions on Georgia Southern's defense, though. We don't know if they'll answer them or not. But regardless, I'm taking the over on the points. I think the over on the points is going to be a very consistent theme of this podcast moving forward on this season with Georgia Southern games, Noah. 
Hey, certainly will be worth spending some time watching on your television. Again, that game, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Okay, let's move on to the final game that we will preview on this episode. It is the first Sunbelt Conference game of the season. That's a bit weird to say in week two, but it pits Old Dominion versus Louisiana. This game will be played in Norfolk at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on ESPN+. This will be the first ever meeting between these two schools. Louisiana beats Northwestern State in week one. Old Dominion lost to Virginia Tech. They come into this game having lost seven straight games dating back to last season. UL in that same stretch, three and four. So some interesting numbers to think about. Caden, in this matchup, I think both you and I are expecting to see a heavy run emphasis. Both of these teams feature mobile quarterbacks. Wooldridge runs, or the Louisiana quarterback runs for 29 yards and a touchdown last week. We saw Grant Wilson run for 81 yards. He was actually the leading rusher for Old Dominion a week ago. These two teams combined for 407 rushing yards in week one. Louisiana had 206. A couple of big headliners at the running back position, Draylon Washington, Keyshawn Wicks. Both of these teams, Kane, I thought it was interesting, had six guys that recorded a carry in week one. And based on that, Kane, it feels like it's safe to say we're going to see some hard-nosed football. Yeah, I think it's going to be a dogfight in Northfolk, and it's interesting because both of these two teams had very different showings last week. Old Dominion faced a Virginia Tech team, and Louisiana placed a Northwestern State team. But regardless, I think both of those teams were very effective no matter who they were playing at running the ball and being big up front. So I think Old Dominion impressed me personally with their 200-yard day on the ground versus a Power 5 opponent. I think Grant Wilson showing off some of that mobility is going to be huge for them moving forward and his ability to be in the run game. I mean, he ended the game as the team's leading rusher, and you mentioned Keyshawn Wicks. You love what you saw from him kind of picking up where Ben Watson left off from last season. And it was the same for Louisiana, which was a little bit more expected. We were high on Draylon Washington coming into the year. He had 88 of the team's 206 yards on the ground. And we know Woodridge is liable as well to use his legs, especially to convert those first downs. So I think both of these quarterbacks and all the running backs in this game are going to get involved. Those O-linemen and D-linemen are going to be knocking heads a bunch. And I think it's just going to be a ground and pound matchup, but I wouldn't be surprised if Old Dominion is able to air it out more and maybe gets to throw the ball a little bit more than they wanted to last week because they're not playing such a bigger, more talented team at the Power 5 level. Expect to see Javon Harvey maybe get involved, but I think some of that consistent pressure we saw last week, I mean, Wilson was sacked five times. They weren't able to really operate, so I feel like they might have ran more out of necessity versus wanting to. So we'll see if they air it out more, but I do expect the run game on both sides to be very pivotal in this one. Okay, and I think you meant to say Blake Watson there. You know, with all the roster turnover, though, on this roster, I completely understand uh, messing that up, but Let's talk some Old Dominion. Uh, This defense played pretty strong last week for at least a half of football. They gave up 20 points in those final two quarters. They gave up just 16 in that first half. They didn't get much help, though, from this offense. Wilson completed just 13 of his 25 passes, none longer than 16 yards. He was also sacked five times. Caden, what do you want to see from Old Dominion in this game? Well, I want to see more help from their offense, but on the defensive side of the ball, I think they looked really solid. They played very well in the first half. They kept the game close, but the size and speed of Virginia Tech ultimately just wore on them and just didn't help them at all that they were on the field so much just given the offensive performance they had. Ironically, Ali Jennings scored two touchdowns against them against his former team last weekend. But the good news is Louisiana doesn't have a Ali Jennings. We were talking about maybe them having to kind of find their number one target this year. So I expect them to do better in this game coming off of playing such a dominant, more physically imposing 
opponent, and they're just going to need some help from their offense. They were on the field for 33 minutes last game. We talked about the time of possession issues that they had last year, despite having that solid run game. So I think they'll get their biggest help from their offense and just playing less explosive playmakers in this one. And I expect Jason Henderson and his bunch to actually thrive in this matchup. Real quick, Caden, Louisiana put up good numbers on offense last week. Ben Wooldridge, he wasn't overly efficient, but still had 23 or 223 yards and four total touchdowns. Does this team need another strong offensive showing for him to win this game? They do know, and I think he's the biggest X factor in this entire game. He has this game in his hands, in my opinion. If both teams run the ball well and they both played solid defense, I think he's the one that can maybe elevate this bunch and has kind of a, an offensive player that's shown us at times that he can do that compared to Old Dominion having to prove themselves with this new scheme and some new players. He had three touchdowns last week. You mentioned him not being as efficient, throwing an interception, but he did spread the ball out to a lot of his wide receivers. His unit, we had some questions about, like I mentioned before, might have some guys that can pop as the season goes. But if he can play like he did last week or against Southern Miss or Arkansas State, one of those signature multiple touchdown games we've seen really elevates his game and brings him along. I think it could be a win for UL if it comes out close. Louisiana comes into this game a six-point favorite on the road over under at 51 and a half. Caden, I'll go first here. I think right now UL is the better football team. I like their offensive depth a little bit better than I liked Old Dominion's. I am going to take UL or UL to win uh, this matchup. This has a chance to hit the over, but right now I'm sticking with the under for this week. Yeah, I'm taking Louisiana win, but not covering this one. I think Old Dominion keeps this one close close at home largely because of their defense. I think this ODU offense does show a little bit more than they did last week as far as what they want to do with their new scheme. But I do think UL still has that stout defense with some depth and some young guys that are still wanting to be hungry and prove themselves. So I think their defense shows up. Old Dominion's defense shows up. Looks like a game where I think both teams are maybe in the teens. So I'm going to take the under on the points. Well, Caden, uh, we've made some picks already. We've got a few more picks that we need to finish up in this episode. We'll start with the game that takes place at noon Eastern on FS1. Uh, Troy traveling to number 15, Kansas State. I'll go first year. KSU's a 16.5-point favorite, over-under at 50.5. Caden, I'm going to roll with the Trojans in this one. I've got them covering, but I do have Kansas State winning this game. Thought this was an interesting stat, Caden. Troy needs to keep this game close at the half. When you look back to this team last year, they were 6-0 when they either trailed or led by fewer or you know fewer than five points at the half. I am going to take the under on this game. I don't think either team is going to put up huge offensive numbers. Uh, so that's how I'm leaning in this contest. How about you? Yeah, it's the Big 12 champs versus the Sunbelt champs. I'm excited for this one. But unfortunately, I think there's a lot of continuity at important spots for Kansas State, like at that quarterback position, their offensive line, their secondary. So I am picking them to win this one. And I don't think Troy covers just because I think this KSU team won the championship last year. And I think they can maybe build on it this year. I just know the offense is supposed to be improved for Troy, but we just haven't seen it yet against top competition. So I'm just not willing to bet against that. I don't know how close they'll be able to keep it, but I am going to take the under on the points because I think both defenses are very stout. Next game, we'll talk about Marshall at East Carolina at 4 p.m. Eastern. The Herd coming in a three-point favorite over under at 44. Kate, now you leaning in this matchup. Yeah, I think Marshall wins and covers. This ECU team played Michigan last week, and I think they're about to say a very play a very Michigan-esque team, and maybe the Michigan of the Sun Belt and Marshall. Marshall's going to pound the rock in this one. They're going to play defense, and I think they bounce back from some of their shortcomings last week. So I'll take the over on the points in this one. I think Marshall's defense holds up their end of the bargain as far as limiting ECU, but I think Marshall's offense maybe picks it up and picks up the slack a little bit from last week. No Holt Nailers, no Keaton Mitchell. I am taking the herd to win this game. They've never won, though, in Greenville. Expecting to see a better showing from them on offense. Marshall to win by a touchdown. I'm going to take the under in this contest. 
Okay, in Coastal Carolina versus Jacksonville State at 7 p.m. Eastern, CCU comes in a 13.5-point favorite. Over-under sits at 58. Caden, this is a now matchup against an FBS opponent. Coastal, I've got them winning big in this game. I'm going to take the under. I think that this will be a big performance from their offense, and I think they're going to play really well in Conway. This is a good Jacksonville State team. They only lost two games last season, and they already have two wins because they played in Week 0 this year. But I think Coastal offense gets fully unleashed in this one. They run the ball better and more capable than they were last week. So I think they win and they cover. Still have some questions about their defense despite showing some signs of improvement and creating some turnovers in their last game. So I'm going to take the over on the points, but I do think we see a more of a fully formed Coastal Carolina offense that runs away with this one. Another kick at 7 p.m. Eastern between Georgia State and UConn. Current line, uh, Georgia State, a three-point favorite at home. Over-under sits at 54.5. Caden, how do you lean here? I'm spooked, Noah. Georgia State's defense looked so bad to me last week that I cannot pick them to win this game. This is a Jim Moore team that's similar to Rhode Island, except for they'll be able to be more well-coached and they'll have a stronger defense. I think their offense is going to be efficient at Georgia State, but I think they have some more struggles scoring than they did last week. So I think UConn wins and covers, but I'm going to take the under on the points. I think we see a little bit more defense than we saw last week when the Panthers played. Caden, I don't know about you, but I was impressed with UConn last week in their game against NC State. Uh, I've got UConn winning this game between these two teams. We saw them put up a combined 56 points last weekend. I do think UConn's defense is a bit better than Georgia State's heading into this matchup. So I am going to take the under in this contest. So give me UConn to win, taking the under uh, in this matchup. Caden, uh, Arkansas State versus Memphis at 7 p.m. Eastern. I really want to hear your pick on this one. Uh, Memphis is a 21 and a half point favorite over under at 58 and a half. Okay, now I'm going to let you redeem yourself here. Go ahead and make the first pick. Yes, I was the guy that picked Arkansas State to cover last week, and they proceeded to have 80 points scored on them against Oklahoma and score zero points on offense. So I'm not being fooled twice. I think Arkansas State loses this one and they don't cover and I'm taking the over on the points. They fooled me one time, but I'm not getting fooled again by the Red Wolves. Well, Caden, I, I might get fooled here. I did take Arkansas State or Oklahoma to cover last week, but Arkansas State, obviously, as you mentioned, loses bad. Here's some food for thought in this matchup. Arkansas State 0-3 against Memphis the last three years, but Caden, they're 3-0 and against the spread. So give me Arkansas State to bounce back. I don't have them winning this game, but I think they can cover the 21-and-a-half. I don't trust A-State's offense enough, so I'm going to take the under in this game. So we'll see if uh, our odds change as we switch picks uh, for this Arkansas State side. Okay, and last matchup here, Southern Miss at number four, FSU, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Current line has FSU as a 31-point favorite, over-under at 53. I'll go ahead and go first here, Kane, and I'm going to ingratiate myself to the Southern Miss fans. I've got USM covering in this game, covering the 31 um, I do think both offenses can put up some points and I am going to take the over in this game. Yeah, not ingratiating myself in this one. And I want everyone to know this, the Southern Miss fans, this is, has way more to do the, with Florida State than you. There's not, I don't think there's any other team in the Sun Belt that I would make a different pick on than this. Florida State, if you watch their game against LSU, look like one of the, if not the scariest team in the nation from top to bottom on both sides of the ball. So I think Southern Miss loses this one and they don't cover. And I think the points are going to go over on this one. I think Florida State holds up their end of the bargain. And maybe late in the game, we see Southern Miss get in the end zone a couple of times and it goes over. So sorry, Southern Miss fans. This is not personal. I think Florida State would do this to just about anyone in the Sun Belt this year, quite frankly. couple more games on the weekend. South Alabama versus Southeastern Louisiana at 5 p.m. Eastern. The Jags will look to bounce back after a week one loss to number 24 Tulane. 
ULM versus Lamar kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. ULM, Caden, trying to move to 2-0 to begin the season for the first time in a long time. Well, that will do it for our Week 2 preview. Caden and I are both excited to watch some more football this weekend. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be releasing our Week 2 weekend recap. We'll look back at the big games and break down all the big storylines from around the league. That'll do it for us here at the Ferrarian Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we could be doing better or what you're enjoying. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.